Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Hello everyone, I'd like to welcome Jacqueline Thorpe, who is the CEO of Train Me Today. Jackie, thank you so much for being here today, welcome. Thank you for having us here. First, I want to mention your tagline after your job title. I love this. CEO, Chief Everything No One Else Wants to Do Officer. <laughs> I guess that pretty much sums up what most of us do, right? When yeah. We're a company. If you don't mind, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and you know, tell us about Train Me Today, what that's all about, what you guys offer, the kind of services that you perform and so forth? All right, great. Well, you know, we've known each other for a long time and we've kind of watched the world change together. Yes, we have. For example, when we first met back in 2003. Is that what it was? It oh was my 2003. I was just launching Train Me Today. At the time, I had been working in human resources starting from the secretary to the vice president of industrial relations with continuous growth to an employment representative and employer relations administrator, then manager, then director, until I ended up the vice president. Yeah. I did this through changing jobs at the right time. Yeah. Earning an HR certification and finally a master's degree in human resources. Shortly thereafter, I started teaching business classes at Cal State Fullerton. I remember you were teaching at Cal State when we met. Right, right. It was during my graduate program in a class called Coaching and Counseling that I admitted that I really wanted out of HR and I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So We have that in common, by the way. I know, I, right? I remember that. We had talked about that before. I love HR. So my instructor asked me, what do you know? And I said, I don't know anything but human resources. If you asked, if you put me on a show and asked me questions about miscellaneous trivia, I would know nothing. But if you asked me about human resources, yeah. I'm good, I'm there. Right. So he said, you know what? He said, you owe it to the world to take that knowledge and pass it on to the next generation. And that's how I started Train Me Today. What a, what a great story. That's a great story. And by the way, just as full disclosure, I do want to say that um, shortly after Jackie and I met, we uh, our, my company, Advanced Benefit Consulting, hired her to do um, trainings for our clients when the original uh, sexual harassment training came out. You did a, um, a couple of train-the-trainer programs for us at hotels and so forth. And we had all of our clients come and join us, and you were able to train them on how to go inside their own programs and their own um, companies and, and train internally, which was fabulous. And the reviews were absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Everybody loves you. All of our clients have always loved you. Oh, and thanks. they always say, "What can we have Jackie back again? Can we have Jackie back again? They just, lo they just love you. Oh, and so you. I just want to say good job in the past, and I know you continue to do that as well. And you've also, obviously, I've referred a lot of our clients to you for all kinds of different HR-related consulting work and training and all sorts of things over the years. So that's great. So let's get into this a little bit. Okay. Um, there's a lot going on in California right now. Oh. Uh, <laughs> California employers in 2020 have so much on their plates, I don't know how the, a lot of them are doing it. I'm just a small employer, but I have to tell you, um, even it's even tough for us. So I can imagine the larger you are, the more, the more difficult it is. Let's talk first about the minimum wage. Uh, and exempt uh, employees 
salary threshold. Can you summarize what employers need to do, how it affects them, small, large, um, and also this silly thing about the specific counties, specific cities, and so forth. I have to tell you, when I was researching for this podcast um, and finding out some of the interesting ideas we wanted to talk about and so forth, I received something from Cal Chamber in the mail, and it was absolutely mind-boggling. It was this massive number of posters that you could order city by city, county by county, to address all of these issues. And mm -hmm. it just looking at it, I got a headache. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would like you to update us on this <laughs> what's going on with this. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we write the PHR California exam preparation study guide. Right. So we have to stay on top of all of this because we never know what questions are going to be asked on the exam. Initially, in my career in human resources, I could care less what's going on in San Francisco. Right, right. <laughs> but today, uh, because of our PHR California exam prep, we have to stay on top of that. So I think it's kind of important that we first identify what an exempt employee is. Mm -hmm. So let's define what an exempt employee is. In most cases, there are three simple requirements to determine whether a worker is an exempt employee under California law very different outside of the state of California. Federal law has a completely different ballgame. But if we just narrow it down, and, it, and it's much more complicated than this, but just for the purposes of kind of talking about an exempt employee, first of all, the employee has to be paid a salary that is at least twice the state minimum. Now remember, I just said state minimum. Mm -hmm. So you had asked me specifically about what's going on with the different cities and locales and we've always had by the way it's not really new we've always had city regulations mm -hmm. but never have they been in reference to how much we paid our employees they've never been minimum wage northern california started first with san francisco right i remember that and they have kind of trickled out so if you look at the whole county up there there's a lot of small towns that have adapted their own minimum wage Los Angeles recently picked it up. The city of Los Angeles, not necessarily the county of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. So if you have employees who are going to work in the county or the city, you have to take a look at what is called prevailing wage. So this is a whole, honestly, an entirely different conversation when we talk about prevailing wage. We just had this conversation in my class on Monday night for the PHR California. Okay. Because a lot of these uh, employers have, are, they're sending, particularly for construction workers, they're sending their employees into LA and maybe they work in uh, the Inland Empire. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, their wages are gonna be considerably different. Well, they, if they're working on a government project, they need to pay the wages that are being paid by that city okay. at the time. Okay. So one of the important things that I want to make sure that everybody understands is that if you have an exempt employee, they must be paid two times minimum wage. So minimum wage in the state of California is $12. Mm -hmm. So two times $12 is $24. Okay. The way the state looks at it is 40 hours a week. Now you can't pay them 40 hours a week, but you base their salary on an, ex an expectation that they work 40 hours a week. And so that would be two times 24. So in order to have an employee be exempt, they must be paid at least $960 a week. Okay, that's good to know. I did yeah. not know that. That's good to know. Yeah. Now, the second thing is their duties. 
It has to fall under the California Industrial Wage Commission administrative, executive, or professional responsibilities. Now, that seems easy, right? You just look at their title and that should do. No, that's <laughs> not the way it works. It's, it's never as easy as we think it's going to be, right? <laughs> it's not the way it works. Their duties have to be at least 50% of what they do in order for them to be exempt. Okay. So, for example, let's look at a store manager, which is our classic job. The store manager comes in at 9.30, opens up the doors at 10, but between 9.30 and 10, they stock the shelves and they uh, start to, um, maybe they open the register and maybe go in the back and do some cleaning. And then their first employee arrives around noon, uh -huh. okay? That employee works for a couple hours during the busy season. This supervisor is going to be hourly, non-exempt. They will not be exempt under the normal rules because less than half of their time are they actually supervising a person. Okay. They're on an eight-hour shift. Right. The person works two hours. Yeah. That, that completely negates their ability to be exempt. Okay? Okay. There's nothing complicated about this whatsoever. I can see that. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. He's okay. Yeah. Okay. Move on. <laughs> yeah, it's particularly fun if you work in retail. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, SB 142 requires employees to provide lactation accommodation. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, this has been going on for a while too. Um, every employer needs to provide a reasonable amount of break time to accommodate an employee who needs to express breast milk. It's fairly simple. Mm -hmm. Regular break times generally work. Okay. So you can say, okay, here, here's your break times. Now, under the new law, this is what just passed and was effective the 1st of January, 2020. It simply clarifies a ton of questions that we as employers had. For example, the new law reads, an employer shall provide an employee with the use of a room or other location for the employee to express milk in private. The room or area may include the place where the employee typically works if it otherwise meets the requirements of this section. Do you think that's a problem for a lot of employers having a private area? I mean, is this is this going to cause some, some issues, you think, or do, do most employers have them? I think most employers would like to think it does, but I don't think it does. For example, we're in a conference room right now. Right. Okay. Um, you can take a small conference room like this, put three bottles of water uh -huh. in it. You can put a little, uh, a small refrigerator, even an ice chest. Uh -huh. um, and you can have uh, some, uh, a curtain on the window. Uh -huh. So in my opinion that any employer who wants to cry, oh, it's too difficult to do, is an employer who has absolutely no creativity. Right and or who just wants to buck the system. Right, well I have the same issues. A lot of things like that come up when I do HIPAA privacy training. People think, oh, it's so complicated. No, it's really not. And then I give right. them simplistic, real world types of scenarios that you can do and it kind of breaks it down. So I appreciate that, thank you. Yeah, and that's kind of what happened with this whole lactation. The new law, it simply gives you common sense okay. directions on how to handle a, a, a person who is breastfeeding. Okay. 
So you can take a small conference room, you can take anything like that, storage, whatever, and convert it and just make it comfortable mm -hmm. and make it a place where you can put a curtain or a door up, close a door or something like that where it can be considered private. Right. Back in the day when I was still in HR and, and lactation accommodation first started, our president was amazing. His office was wide open. Yeah. He, that's where anybody who uh, needed to express their breast milk went. And he excused himself and went okay. into the conference room. <laughs> wow. Okay. They say chivalry is not dead, right? <laughs> well, that's interesting. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, what about uh, AB 51 updating arbitration agreements? Can you fill us in a little on that? No. No, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, we can talk about it. But here's what you need to know. Right now, there's an injunction against this particular law. Okay. So, what they're, the way I understand AB 51 is that historically arbitration agreements, and I know for a fact because I've actually signed the DNA that did this, okay. said I could not discuss what happened. Okay. What, is ha what AB 51 is trying to say is that you can have arbitration that is binding as long as it doesn't violate the Fair Employment and Housing Act and any labor codes or any discrimination uh, laws. Okay. It's not talking about everything else. It's, okay. you know, anything else you can go to arbitration and arbitrate it. My boss is a jerk. Okay, let's okay. arbitrate it. What should we do with our boss? As long as your boss isn't sexually harassing you. Right. Okay. So that that's the whole point of it. Now, what's fascinating to me about it is that... People have a problem with this, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure what people have a problem with it, but they do. So, at the moment, don't do anything with your employee handbook. Okay. Um, just wait. We're in a wait and see situation. Okay. Yeah. I'm used to wait and see situations. Right. <laughs> if you've been in human resources any length of time, it's the story of our life. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Okay. What about uh, severance agreements and none, no um, and no rehire provisions? So it's 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 kind of the same thing. Um, the AB seven forty nine says, look, if you fire somebody or even if they voluntarily quit because they have been discriminated against or because you're they have a constructive discharge, it's just too difficult to work in your company. You cannot prevent them from ever coming back to work in your organization. Now, this is not designed for small companies. It is designed for companies who have 50 plants across the United States. Okay. So they're working here in California. They leave the company because they're, they're, it's just too difficult to work for. They move to North Carolina where they have the exact same jobs. They're completely qualified for the job mm -hmm. in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. But somewhere in their file, right now, it says no rehire because the supervisor didn't like them. Yeah. Right? That is now against the law under AB 749. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So you can't, you can't just discriminate against someone, basically, because you don't like them or any other reason. That you just can't stick it in there. I mean, is there a discrimination issue involved with this, or is it more or less just some of it? It's just... Is it just it's kind of a weird it's it's really weird so let's look at you and me small employers mm -hmm. okay somebody leaves the company and we're like yes we just right got rid of somebody we really didn't care for okay 
Um, do we have the right to not hire them again if they come back and apply for a job in our organization? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, we do. Okay. But do we have a right to put in their employment file? Something that other people could have access to. Right. Okay. So because, that's where you want to draw the line is the right. access to the information. Right. Okay. That's right up my alley since I'm a privacy consultant. So I, exactly. I, get, I, get that. I get that. I was just, as my little brain was going exactly where you were going <laughs> right that's now. That's where I was kind of going yeah. to when I yeah. asked you the question. I was trying to get a little bit more of that, yes. that along those lines. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's talk about the big one, anti-harassment training. I know that's a, a huge topic, and you do a lot of your training here. A lot of your, a lot of the functions that you do at Train Me Today have to do with uh, harassment training. And as I said at the beginning, I know you've done this for us in the past. I know it's changed a lot since then. Do you still offer these programs, and and can you tell us a little bit about them? So, I expected that our business would increase uh, once these laws passed. <laughs> However, the biggest increase that we've seen is in our train to trainer classes. Okay. And they're fabulous, by the way, as I said before. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, you know, you have to be qualified yeah. to train this. You can't just be a, a, a broker. So, <laughs> you I know. To be, I'm not, that's why I hired you. Right? When, it, when it first was passed, that's why I says I am not even, I, I train on things all the time. Yeah. And I'm not touching this. Yeah. So that's why I said. We, we get phone calls from people yeah. who want to join the train the trainer class, and I tell them, you're not qualified, I'll take your money, uh -huh. but here's the deal, if you're, whoever you train gets into trouble, you will be an absolute negative because you are not a qualified trainer. So I don't suggest you put your clients in that position. <laughs> so, you know, to They're be- the experts. Something, this is something yeah. that you want, to, you want to make sure the experts handle, and uh, if you do train in-house, you want to make sure that those people are qualified to even have the trainings yes. that they can train properly themselves. Yeah. So it's up to the employer then, you're saying, to monitor that, to make sure yes. that they have the right person doing the training. Otherwise, they shouldn't be doing the training in-house. They should be hiring outside parties. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. Okay. Um, what is the requirement for supervisors, in a nutshell? So a supervisor still falls under the old AB 1825. They have to have two hours of training every two years. Okay, so that has not changed, okay. That has not changed. Some of what we train on has changed dramatically. Right, right. But their rules are still the same. Okay, what about uh, employees? So employees only need to have one hour of training under the law. Now, I have to tell you, to impart all the information that we're supposed to impart right now, put, do, putting it in one hour is impossible. It's, yeah, I, I do the same thing. They, 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 it's, a lot of people get one hour HIPAA training. Like, how can you possibly train yeah. HIPAA in an hour? It doesn't happen. So yeah. the law says an hour, but your recommendation is? At least 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. So we can quickly go through in an hour and 15, but that then gives them some question and answer time. Okay. And one of the things that we have found is employees have more questions than we have had with the supervisors. Well, actually, that, that really doesn't surprise me all that much. Okay. Because, I mean, yes, supervisors have questions, but employees are hearing about it so much in the news these days. Oh my days. gosh, yes. I think that's probably where that's coming from, where mm -hmm. maybe not so much 10 years ago, but today. Yeah. And we can talk about that more in a bit. Well, and there's the internet. There's the internet, yeah. yeah. Oh, what's that little thing? Okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, when do they have to have it completed by? All right, so everybody uh, initially was told that it had to be done by January 1, 2020. That changed. It <laughs> That's does, fast. That, That's yeah, fast. Yeah, right? Okay. Just like everything else, right. 
January 1, 2021. Everybody has okay. to have their training done for both supervisors and So they employees. delayed it one year. They delayed it one year because okay. everyone was no, no one was ready. Yeah. Right. Okay. Surprise, surprise. Right. Okay. Uh, and so they they train everyone and so you said supervisors is every two years. Yes. What about everyone else? Employees every two years every, as well. Every two years as well. So trainers every two years. Okay. So a lot of people think they can take the train the trainer class and they're good for the rest of their lives. Okay. Just like a supervisor, they uh, have to be trained yeah. every two years. Yeah. So would you recommend like a, a schedule, um, like every two years, you have the trainers trained, followed by, do you have like a, a yeah. do you have like a method that you recommend? I have a, a method that I recommend because it's what I did when I was a human resources director. Okay. You do harassment prevention training on their first day in new hire orientation. Okay. And then once again, every year. Okay. Not every two years. Every year. Every year. Yeah. And have you seen by doing that that the results are better? Well, absolutely. Do you know that when I, here I am specializing in anti-harassment uh, training. When I was a human resources practitioner, never once ever was my company sued when I was there. That's, that's saying a lot. Yeah. That's and it's life. because of this process that we did, and it's because the senior executives in the organization respected my recommendations enough to let me do it at New Hire and once again every year. Yeah. And then we also had that open door policy, and we looked into every single claim when it came in. We didn't take it lightly. And so it, that, that's, I think, what made a huge difference. Prior to one company, I'm not going to name names, they had five claims when I walked in as the HR director. Oh, that makes life interesting when you walk in. Yeah, okay. seven years later, they had no claims. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of those situations where less is not more, more is more. Absolutely. More is okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> what about documentation? Documentation is critical. You have to have your sign-in sheets. It, it's not a big deal for Pete's right. sakes. It's a piece of paper and it has the name of the trainer on it, has the name of the company on it, all employee names, their job title, and the date of the training. And do you recommend that they have maybe a copy, is there a PowerPoint attachment or something like that in the file that they have to have that shows what 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 points were touched on and so you were trained on? Or how like? we handle it is we have a PowerPoint presentation that we put into a file and we file by every two years okay which is the current you know requirement for retention i believe this is going to change it hasn't quite been put into paper yet that it'll have to be four years and there's a good reason for that one the biggest reason is now you can actually file a claim of sexual harassment after four years okay so up until the first of January, it was one year. One year, yeah. Okay. So okay. that's why we've kind of changed the retention. But but overall documentation, absolutely critical. Yes. You've got to have all the sign-in sheets. How long do they have to keep those? I would say four years at this point. Okay. Yes. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about how the Me Too movement might have changed this type of training that you do. Obviously, it's all we talked about that briefly before. Yeah. It's all over the medium, uh, you know, everywhere. You can't you can't open a newspaper or, or turn on a news channel or uh, do people even read newspapers anymore? I still do, but um, I guess go, on, go <laughs> online. I guess I guess you should say go online and hear something about every day about uh, something having to do with the Me Too movement. So how has this? If what kind of changes, if any, have has this 
brought into the actual training itself. It's interesting. I believe the Me Too movement has actually given people the freedom to speak out. Mm -hmm. So that's the big change. I haven't necessarily seen a lot more training as a result of that. I think more training came as a result of them passing 1343. Okay. But I do see in our classes, people are speaking out and I love that. Yeah. And that is giving, it, I also believe it is will be preventing terminations because you know historically what happened when you spoke out is you were looked at as maybe by your peers as not being a, a team player or by uh, senior management as being kind of a crybaby um, and a lot of times a troublemaker uh -huh. when indeed that's not really what was going on. You were simply speaking out. Mm -hmm. So the Me Too movement has allowed us to speak out and I believe it is certainly uh, put a perspective on employers to be grateful for the people who speak out now mm -hmm. rather than to view them as a troublemaker. A troublemaker. Bad, bad, bad whistleblower kind of thing. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, let's, let's move on a little bit. Um, California recently passed 85, uh, the Independent Contractors Bill. I don't know about you, but I get contacts, I get questions on this all the time. Um, always have uh, since they first you know talked about this a couple of years ago. Um, it seemed to have the biggest impact on trucking companies, but obviously it affects all kinds of things. We hear about in the news about Uber and Lyft and you know companies like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and about maybe the uh, recent temporary restraining order that was put out? Okay. Well, what, once that's a again, huge topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no, and, and and here's the thing that's so interesting about independent contractors. This is not new. Okay, we've had something called the Borello test right, for Borello test, yeah. 100 years. Yeah. At least, I mean, back in the 80s, I was working in a toy company where we hired 10 toy designers mm -hmm. to come to work for us as independent contractors. Well, when the job was done, we let them go. They filed a claim for unemployment insurance and they all won. Mm -hmm. And what do you think happened? The IRS came back to us and said, you misclassified these 10 toy makers or toy designers, you misclassified them, and therefore you are going to pay their back taxes, other penalties, other fees for four years for all 10 of them. Mm -hmm. So this is nothing new. What is finally happening is California is actually identifying the rules. And that came down in Dynamax, right. the, the Dynamax case where they created this ABC factor, this mm -hmm. ABC test, which makes it pretty doggone clear mm -hmm. who's an independent contractor and who's not. Now, you've got your groups who are fighting that, right. and there are tons of them. I mean, everything from newspaper people to real estate, accountants, doctors, physicians, surgeons, dentists, all these people are exempt. Right. Well, I'm, I'm exempt as an insurance agent. Okay, yeah. insurance agents. Yeah. Now, this affected my company because trainers are not exempt. So up until two years ago, my trainers were all independent contractors. Mm -hmm. Today, they're all employees. Okay. It works better for me because I the loyalty factor is there. They're not their own business. They're training me today. Right. So I like it. So, so you think there are some positives. Obviously, there are negatives from some type of organizations. Like I said, I have um, yes. clients that are, truck, that are trucking organizations, things like that, and they've had independent contractors all along, and now they have to become employees. Well. 
that's that's a big change. It's a lot of it with expense and everything else, with yeah. benefits and with all kinds of things, and with all the payroll taxes and, and everything, and it's huge. But the bottom line is, this I think what they were trying to accomplish here is what? what in your opinion, what, what were they trying to accomplish with, with the law? The, well, there's many things and they're yeah. trying to accomplish. First of all, under ABC, if the, let's talk about truckers specifically. Okay. If the trucker is doing what your business does, uh -huh. in other words, you're a trucking mm -hmm. company, mm -hmm. you have trucks that move, let's say cement. Okay. Okay. The people who are moving the cement for you, they represent your company. Mm -hmm. Everything about what they do. Up until Dynamax, all you had to do was own your own truck mm -hmm. and be paid as an independent contractor. Right. Doesn't matter about anything else that you do on the job. So they're trying to put some responsibility back on the employer for the work that is being done by the people they call independent contractors. That's right. one part of it. Okay. Clearly, IRS wants their tax money. <laughs> Clearly. Okay. There's workers' comp issues that have been ridiculous. People get hurt on the job. It's not my problem. They're an independent contractor. Right. So there's there's been um, unemployment issues. The per, the person is you know hired as an independent contractor to do this cement job. The job is done. They run down to the EDD and apply for unemployment insurance. Mm -hmm. And well, but wait a minute. How can they collect off of my account? They're an independent contractor. Right. So I believe it is simply like a big puzzle and they're finally putting that puzzle piece back where it belongs. Okay. <laughs> you think they're, with the restraining order, do you think that's gonna have any impact on anything? Is I think it's a waste of money and they're gonna lose. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, did you want my opinion? <laughs> yeah, I did, actually, thank you. <laughs> You're like me, we just say it like it is, right? That's why we've always got along so well. Let's just say it like it is. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are gonna disagree. Um, sure. And, and I understand, I mean, when you own a business, you've done certain things yeah. a certain way all, you know, for years and years and years, and now it changes. Um, you know. I was emotionally upset when I had to bring all the trainers on. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I mean, it was just, just doing the new hire paperwork for 11 trainers was a lot of work. Yeah. And then after about three or four months of having them on our payroll, I don't have to worry about them submitting invoices or anything. Like, so you found this actually helped. Oh my right? goodness! Just the loyalty factor and everything else, and just the just the time and effort into paying them. They're covered under my workers' comp insurance. They're on my payroll. We have they have to you know they they pay their taxes through us. Was there a little pushback from them in the beginning? I'm like, hello, you're an HR person. Don't give me any pushback. Right. And everybody kind of laughed. But now even the employees. They're happy about it. Well, can you control more? I would think that you can, can control um, the kind of training that they're doing. When you're when they're not an independent contractor, but they're actually your employees, you can. You have, I would think you'd have more control over content on everything Absolutely. else. I'd be, I'd be afraid if, if they were in your type of situation, mm -hmm. if they were independent contractors, that they may, you know, change it up a bit to mm -hmm. fit what they want it to Put fit. Put their own rather. logo on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now you're protected yes. as an organization because yes. they can't do that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's good. it's good. I like to hear, you know, all sides of this. Yeah. And, and uh, like I said, I've had the, 
people that it's affecting on the other ear kind of screaming out over here too so it's nice to hear that yeah. it really has worked out well for you it gives you more control on that sort of thing so that's good uh, let's let's talk a little bit let's move change subjects a little bit because I know we have limited time here today uh, let's talk about employee manuals in general how often should employ <laughs> I know how often should employers update them and for 2020 what's the highest priority in amendments or rewrites what would you recommend right now what, what, what do they need to be taking a look at right now your manual has to be updated every year I mean, if for no other reason than just to review if, if it's grammatically correct, right? you know, to, right. to leave a, an employee manual sitting in a desk somewhere will actually bite you at some point yeah, because you, you may be doing one thing in practice and your handbook says exactly the opposite. So you, you definitely want to do it every year. Oh, what's the most important thing? I mean, clearly anti-harassment training has got to be changed. Right. So prior to you know 1343, your your handbook probably says we will train in, in your anti-harassment policy, we will train all employees. I mean, we will train all supervisors, but it doesn't say all employees. Okay. So now that has to change. You need to change your anti-harassment policy. Okay. It needs to include abusive conduct, it needs to include gender definitions, bystander training, systemic harassment. There's a lot of things now that are being viewed by the courts mm -hmm. and it needs to be in your new policy. I think that as far as the some of the other new laws that have passed, arbitration right now I wouldn't even touch your arbitration agreement at the minute. Okay. But when we see what happens in the next few months, mm -hmm. then you're going to have to change your policy on, on arbitration agreements. So basically you think that they should be going back every year and taking a look at what's happened and what changes yes. are going on. Yes. Um, right now there are some things pending on that and you want yes. to wait. Yes. So give it the proper time. Yes. And then come back later and readdress. Yes. I hope they've never had anything about severance agreements and no higher provisions in their policy. I hope that nobody has been. I have seen these manuals, these handbooks that are just ridiculously huge. Um, but you want to leave sever. You want to leave everything out of your employee handbook about termination, except that they can expect their final paycheck on the day they leave. You want it to be as simple as possible because every single case could be different. Okay. And if you bring an attorney in on an ugly termination, there may or may not be a severance package depending on the severity of the offense. I mean, if you have somebody who has been busted for theft or sexual harassment or you know some other uh, really discipline issue, they're not going to get a severance package. So mm -hmm. don't even talk about it in your handbook. Let's see, what else do we have? Um, oh, lactation accommodation. You should have the updates in there. Right, okay. That needs to be updated as well. So, yeah, there's, you know, you can look at our, in our um, website, and there is a list of the current changes that just happened. Okay. And we put that up there for anybody who's thinking, anybody who has recently purchased a PHR California um, exam prep book, so that they know that whatever was in the old 2019 has now been adapted to the 2020 book. So they don't have to go buy a new book. They can see it's on there. Yeah. Okay. On the website. Yeah. Okay. Trainmetoday.com. Okay. Great. 
So if there is there a one-size-fits-all quick-fix solution to all this, or is everything fully customized depending on the type of organization, the type of atmosphere, the type of, I mean, when you're talking about manuals and policies, what's it, and, and that's another, if you want to touch a little bit on policy as well, because you said you, you like to keep a lot of this out of the manual, where do they address it? Do they address it maybe on the policy side? Yeah, so you want to have a couple of things available for employees in the Human Resources Department, and that would be a actual policy and procedure manual. Okay. Okay. Um, it could also be something like the California Chamber Labor Law Digest. Uh, however, today, anybody can go on the internet and find mm -hmm. out what's going on. You have to be very careful because a lot of the stuff that you find on the internet is outdated. Mm -hmm. So if it's over than a, older than a year, it's probably not up to date okay. for, what you, for what you look at. What, you're saying that the internet's not always 100% accurate? <laughs> Definitely oh, not. Oh, you just ruined my day. <laughs> I tell my students to stick to two two things when they're looking up stuff regarding California law. Go directly to the DIR mm -hmm. and anything that is ca.gov. Okay. Otherwise, you have no idea whether or not it's actually fact. And for people that don't know what DIR is, that is... The okay, so the DIR is the Department of Industrial Relations. I actually knew that. Okay. <laughs> I just thought there might be You were testing me. I, was, oh, I, knew, I knew I wasn't testing you because I know you know a lot more about this stuff than I do. But I've just, I always say, whenever people use acronyms, I've learned yes. in the podcast, because people say, I love the podcast, but one of the things that, you know, could you make sure that when when someone talks about something and gives an acronym, can you spell out that acronym? Right. So I've, right. Been, asked, I've been asked by listeners to make sure that all acronyms when okay. given are, are spelled out just for, for those that, because you never know, you might have somebody that's listening to this might be brand new, might have just been moved up from bookkeeping and thrown into HR because that they happens. didn't want to hire from the outside. And, yeah, <laughs> and they're trying to figure all this stuff out. Right, and, right. And, they're trying to sign up for what, what associations do I sign up for? What kind of education do I get? And then they listen to something like this and, and they don't always know. And then they're on their computers trying to type it out, trying to figure out. And then they find out that there's a lot of a lot of things that have it, the same acronym. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And you know, I highly recommend you, you had talked about bookkeepers who get promoted to HR. That happens a lot because yeah. they're, they have great people skills and they like processing paperwork mm -hmm. so they get the HR job. I really recommend that they get quickly involved in education. Mm -hmm. There's a new certification out there called the Associate Professional in Human Resources. You wow. need okay. no experience and a high school education. I did not know that would even exist. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's it's called the APHR. It's getting very popular. Okay. Um, we have a lot of Army students. They're getting out of the Army. They're interested in human resources. It's a general education on what HR is all about. Mm -hmm. And then once you get your requisite experience in, then I say, pop if you're going to do HR in California, pop into the PHRCA class okay. and get California down because we're so different than the rest of the world. Then move up. Really? Really. <laughs> okay. And then move up and get your SPHR. And at that point, you will be very well educated in human resources. Okay. And you'll be qualified to do almost all of the training that we've talked about today. Yeah. And what about if you are that if you are an employer and you're looking for someone that of course a lot of employers, you know, they're on tight budgets and they want to hire 
like I said, maybe promote from within, like we talked about the bookkeeper. I see that happen a lot, as you, as you said, you have as well. Payroll people and bookkeeping people moved into HR, and that's yes. supposed to be the easy, quick fix. Um, some, of the, some of the people not listening to this might be you know, in a position where they can't always hire a top-end HR person. Right. They need to hire someone at a lower pay scale and then let them learn. Yeah. Let them learn. So training, training, training. Training, training, training. Education. And it's, it's out there. And it's, you can do it online. They can, I think that it's, so I have, there's two schools of thoughts in this. It, if an employer moves a unqualified person into a human resources job, the employer really should pay for their education. Mm -hmm. And so get them involved in a, a, a some type of a certification program. We also have an HR boot camp, which is a, a full day class that kind of indoctrinates them. There is no certification. There's no big test that goes with that. It's just an introduction to human you know resources. What? I actually have, um, I heard about that from you before, and I've actually referred a couple of our clients that had ah. new hires and people moved into that position from a different department. Yes. They loved your yes. boot camp. Yes. They absolutely loved your boot camp. Boot camp is very popular, and it's also ex extremely useful. Now, so I talked about the employer paying mm -hmm. for it that I say they ought to. Here's the reality. Invest in yourself. My employer never paid for my certifications. I paid for them. I invested in myself to learn how to be a human resources practitioner. That way, when I left my employer, I nobody can take that away from me. Mm -hmm. I took everything I learned while I worked for that employer, and the dumb employer let me go. Not, <laughs> not that I got fired, they just let me leave. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I took all the education that I had and moved it over and gave it to a new employer. Uh -huh. But it belongs to me, and I'm the one who gets paid for it. So there's two, there's two schools on that, two, two ways of thinking about it. Invest in yourself and or your employer should probably invest in you as well. Okay. That's, that's the tougher sell sometimes, though, that they yeah. need to do that. But you, I think that's, that's good advice for yeah. all employers, regardless of size that uh, they need to do that. It's obviously, I think, I think the number one liability of any company is human resources. Um, but <laughs> you're rolling your eyes. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the thing is, if you have a good, solid human resources practitioner on your team, everything's going to be much easier. The hires that, they're, that come in are gonna be better. Yeah. Uh, you know, the day-to-day the, the -day production will be better yeah. because they have somebody who's taking care of that part of the business and the supervisors don't have to worry about it. So, yeah. So is there any like closing thoughts of things that employers should be thinking about or uh, HR practitioners should be doing or anything like that? That is there anything in closing that you want to talk about that you think that maybe we didn't hit on today that maybe we should have hit on today? I, I think that right now my biggest um, Thing that I'm talking about, and it's because I'm a CEO now, and you're a CEO yeah. now. Everything in your company trickles down mm -hmm. from your leadership, and so the most important thing that can happen in an organization is to have ethical, strategic leadership that absolutely believes in treating their people fairly, mm -hmm. not overdoing it. You don't have to, you know, you don't even have to give them bonuses. If you're not a profitable company, there's no bonus money in there. Make sure they understand. But the leadership of the organization is really what it's all about. And that's, I think, in my closing thoughts, we can talk about all of this, mm -hmm. but until you have a good, strong 
strategic, caring leader, mm -hmm. your company doesn't stand a chance. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I agree. And I've worked for big companies and small companies. And uh, yeah, I think leadership is absolutely the most important thing. So we talked about a lot of things today, and obviously, hopefully the listeners have, have discovered a little bit about what I know about you, which is that you're fabulous and your training is, is <laughs> incredible, and all the work that you guys do is great. So if uh, an employer um, needs to get a hold of someone like you, if they want to talk to you, if they want to talk to one of your staff that trained you today, how do they reach you? So we're about as easy to find as you can imagine. It's that wonderful internet thing we talked <laughs> about, right? Yeah. So we have a website, Train Me Today. That's T-R-A-I-N-N-E-T-O-D-A-Y. You can email us at info at Train Me Today. You can call us at 714-269-9925. You can invite me to connect with you on LinkedIn yes. at Jacqueline Thorpe. And, uh, Why don't you spell your last name? Because I always made mistakes putting an E on the end and then found it and it bounced back, so I couldn't find you. So that's true. So at Jacqueline Thorpe is J A C Q U E L Y N T H O R P. No E. No E. Right. <laughs> that was a mistake I made yes. several times. No E. And then also, if you just type in uh, "train me today," yeah. you'll find this as well. That yes, you do come up quite. What I wanted to reach out to you today, because I wasn't <laughs> sure if you were working in in Murrieta or if you were working in Orange County or whatever when I reached out to you to originally to say hey would you like to be part of my podcast that's the first thing I did was just type in train me today and see yeah yeah and so I was able to connect with you fast and easy so this has been great this has been wonderful it's been Thank such a, a great amount of information packed into a small amount of time so I just want you to know how much I appreciate it and our listeners appreciate it uh, and hopefully we'll do this again sometime yes um, but thank you um, I hope that You'll come back if I ask you to come back. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jacqueline, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate right. you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835. Or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.